I think it's appropriate that we discuss the subject that we're discussing tonight uh, because it is a, a hot topic and we are cold. So this, as we exercise our mental capacities on this hot topic, perhaps we could be warm. Nobody's getting my joke. I, think I saw you got it. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate. Work hard at these jokes, you understand? <laughs> Um, Matthew chapter 5 from verse 27 uh, to 30. You have heard it, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already, co already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members and that your whole body go into hell. This is God's word. In the Sermon on the Mount, we have seen when the Lord Jesus begins his exposition of the law last week, last time we were in this uh, passage, we're seeing uh, the Lord going for the heart of the law. Uh, this is the Lord Jesus coming on top of the mountain as the lawgiver of Israel and saying, this is what I meant when I gave Moses the law. This is the meaning of what it is that I meant. Last time, he discussed murder and what actually is meant by the prohibition of murder. It's much more than just physically killing someone. And today, he turns his attention to the command, you shall not commit adultery. Now, let me say this out of the get-go. Adultery, uh, as it is uh, defined in the scripture is a horrible thing. For an Israelite, adultery meant death. If someone was caught in adultery, if someone was caught having uh, uh, committed uh, fornication or slept with somebody that they're not a spouse with, generally it would be death. Now there are certain situations where it wouldn't be death. For example, if the person was a slave uh, if the one person was a slave and they couldn't speak up for themselves, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be death. Um, uh, and uh, if there, it was out in the bush and it couldn't be determined exactly what what exactly what happened, then he, there wouldn't be death. But they would have to adultery in God's mind and in the in the system, the nation of Israel. If somebody committed adultery, God said, "You have forfeited your right to life." If you commit adultery, you have forfeited your right to life. You have committed a sin through which you are to live no longer here among us. It was to, that, that judgment was to act as a, as a, a deterrent for others for commit, to, to start to not commit adultery. Now, there's this understanding of what adultery is. And Jesus wants to clarify what adultery actually is. And remember who Jesus is talking to. We saw this two weeks ago, that while he's coming to exposit the law, 
there's another group that acts and thinks that they are keeping the law, but they're not. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember which group I'm talking about? It's the Pharisees and the scribes. So there's this understanding by the Pharisees and the scribes that if, as long as they have not committed physical adultery, they are fine with regards to this law. You have to think to yourself, what is it that can cause somebody to walk around pompously with their chest up, looking down on others? When you hear that prayer by the Pharisee in the temple, when he says, thank you, God, that I'm not like this guy. What is it that goes into the mind and the mechanics of the person who thinks like that? Well, part of it is because they had lessened what the law actually meant. They had made it much weaker and much more, they had zeroed it into much, a much more smaller air arena. As long as I have not committed physical adultery, I am fine. But just a simple cursory look throughout the Old Testament as to what exactly that God is it that God wants, it would have become evident that God is not just interested in people who are physically not committing adultery, he's interested in much more. He's interested in purity of heart. And so the Lord Jesus now opens up this topic of adultery and in, tells us three things. First, the command. Second, the meaning of the command. And thirdly, the, the solution to the problem that is presented by the meaning of the command. The command, the meaning of the command, and the solution to the meaning's problem. Number one, the command. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, the definition here is plainly in their minds a sexual act with someone who is not your spouse. A committer of adultery is called an adulterer. A committer of adultery is somebody who has, in the mind of the Israelites, is somebody who has broken one of the most sacred covenants and vows that a man or a woman could make while on earth, that of marriage. And so the Lord says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, when you hear Jesus say that, you might be hearing him think like he's going to say something different than what was said. But remember what we saw two weeks ago. He has come not to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. Meaning he's not going to come and say, oh, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, and I'm saying you can. But rather he's saying, no, you have heard that it, what, what it was said, you shall not commit adultery, and this is what you thought. But let me tell you, you thought narrowly with regards to this command. Let me open up this command and what it means for you. But as far as the initial command goes, you shall not commit adultery, we need to state what it is. Yes, the, the, an adulterer is somebody who physically commits sexual sin. So I have to start there, that even though the Lord Jesus is going to blow up what this means for us from verse 28, we need to start at the very basic level. If... We need to know that, know that there is a difference between what comes in verse 28 and what comes before. In other words, they can, there, is no, uh, there is no judgment, physical judgment in Israel for people's sexual thoughts in their minds. 
which means that there is a real thing to adultery. There is a way in which you need to actually stay away from the physical sin. So even as a church, we would, in, we would talk to you very strongly if you're struggling with lust in your mind, and we would say, let's deal with this very strongly, and it would take a much longer time as we are dealing with it to try and work at what's going on at the heart, but it would be very different than if you'd actually physically committed adultery. Does that make sense? So there is a difference here, but Jesus is trying to show us more of the other side. So let me say this, that there is something to be said here. With regards to the physical act of adultery, you must stay away from that. You must stay away from fornication. Okay, we can, we can deal with what Jesus is going to talk about in a moment, but you can't say, I have a sin struggle, and that sin struggle is you sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Understand? It's not a sin struggle. That is you properly, categorically sinning against the revealed will of the Lord. You can't say, I have, I have a sin struggle. I'm... I'm uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I, I can't do much about this. You know, I keep going back. No, this is a serious thing. If you're married and you're sleeping with someone who's not your spouse, you're committing a heinous, evil crime that the church will have to deal with very strongly. And if you're not married, it's the same. You're committing adultery. And you must not do that. So we must, we must state what it is that we're talking about. There is a difference, even though there is more to what the Lord Jesus is about to say. With that out of the way, now let's come to the meaning of what Jesus says. Verse 28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. So here's the assumption of the Pharisees. The assumption is this, I am guiltless of this sin if I have not physically committed the act. But Jesus says here, no, God is after a pure heart. Therefore, if you have looked at a woman with lustful intent, you have committed the sin. Now, I want you to notice the language that the Lord Jesus uses here. First, he says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman, he's doing that on purpose. The reason, he's doing, the reason he puts that phrase that way, and he says, every man who looks at a woman with lustful intent has committed adultery in his heart is because he is going, he's gunning directly for the Pharisees who are men. He has the Pharisees in mind primarily. They think that because they have not committed anything, they're fine. And he says, no, you Pharisees, you men, if you have looked at a woman with lustful intent, you are guilty before God of the same sin. It's no different. So don't, this is not saying that the only people who can commit what Jesus is talking about here is only men. Understand? It's, it goes both ways, men and women. But specifically, he has the Pharisees in mind, and so that is why he speaks with regards to men. He says, that every man who looks at a woman with lustful intent, meaning every Pharisee specifically. But I want you to notice what's going on here. Every one who looks at a woman with lustful intent. Lustful intent. This is not a haphazard, mistaken look. Often people argue about this text and, and make it as though Jesus is calling woman the problem. 
But here Jesus is making clear what the problem is, doesn't he? What's the issue? The issue is not the woman. The issue is the one who is looking with lustful intent. Do you see that? Notice the, the phraseology I say to you. Everyone who looks with lustful intent is committed adultery in his heart. Lustful intent means exactly that. A desire, and a desire in God's economy is the same as an action towards lust. If I pursue a desire by looking with lustful intent, I have committed adultery. It is not the mistaken first look, but when a man searches out a woman to look at her lustfully. We can say it the other way. It's not the mistaken first look, but when a woman searches out a man to look at him lustfully. Friends, when, when we're dealing with this principle here, we, we come face to face with the issue that Jesus has. And this is the issue that Jesus has. We can be so focused on cleaning the outside of the cup while the inside is rotting. Our energy could be so focused on the outside. Here's making sure that things are right on the outside. But on the inside, we're dying. Do you remember what he called the Pharisees and the scribes? He said, they are whitewashed tombs. Meaning that there are graves. And a grave has a dead man in it. But the grave is nicely painted outside. It's got nice canvas, you know, it's, got, it's beautiful outside. But inside is a dead and dying man, decaying with worms and all kinds of things. Jesus is interested that we focus on the inside more than the out. And so this is a challenge for all of us, really towards purity of heart. Purity of heart. How is it, what is it really that causes my heart to be unpure? Well, there is an answer here. Every man who looks at a woman with lustful intent the eye has a lot to say with regards to the purity of our hearts. What we look at affects our inside, but at the same time, what we look at reflects our inside. See, it's almost like a vicious circle. If you're seeking out to look at horrible things, it's because something is wrong in you. But at the same time, the more you look at evil, disgusting things, the more you become darkened and corrupt. So it, it creates a circle within us. And if we want our hearts to be pure, that is, if we want our hearts to be purely devoted to the Lord and to Him exclusively, we need to watch what it is that we are looking at. Because not all, you see, as this person continues to look at this other person with lustful intent, that desire for lustful intent grows, doesn't it? It's insatiable. Who has ever been satisfied at looking? Name one person who's ever just been satisfied by looking. It wants to go further, doesn't it? Looking wants more. And looking, sometimes the looking wants more looking. And then leads you in a, into a darker path. The next thing you know, you've opened the incognito tab on your Windows browser. See, friends, we, we need to watch the eye. The, 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 the application is right here for us. 
what it is that we're looking at. What is it that we're watching? What is it that we're, where are we looking? And where are we spending our time looking? And that should tell us what's going on in our hearts. But there's more. The Heidelberg Catechism uh, says this in uh, question and answer 109. It says, does God in this commandment forbid only such scandalous sins as adultery? And this is what it says as an answer. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, body and soul, and God wants both to be kept clean and holy. That is why God forbids all unchaste actions, looks, talks, thoughts, or desires, and whatever may incite someone to them. Okay? God forbids unchaste, that is, impure actions. All action that is impure, God forbids it. But not just action, looks. If it's impure, God forbids it. Talk. So there is, a, there is a way of talking. You see, when the Bible talks about in Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, the context there is sexual sin. Let there not be coarse joking. You know when we're talking about coarse joking, the context there is sexual sin. So among us here, there may not be jokes that are salacious in nature, that are inciting us to think and act in ungodly ways. Thoughts. Our friends, if we could win this one. Thoughts. Impure thoughts are forbidden. Now a thought might come into your head because you are living in fallen flesh. But the measure of your obedience to the Lord is what do you do with a thought once it's come through your head? The measure of your obedience is how do you respond to it? Do you fight it? Do you wage war against this is an evil thought? Why would I look at and think about someone in such a way? Um, you know, one thing that uh, lust does to us, it makes us not sober in our minds. And I'll tell you how. It makes us look at people not as having souls that will last into eternity, but rather as things we can use to satisfy our desires. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now you are looking at a human being. This is a human being who is alive, who was, whose soul will live forever, either in eternal damnation or in eternal bliss who's made in the very image of our maker. And yet here we are looking at them as though they're just a tool to satisfy ourselves. We, 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 we reduce people to their body types. See, we, we, we think about people as though they're just, you know, let's, let's uh, you know, you're, I don't know, I remember back in the day there were these these, um, these games where you can, you know, build a person. You build a person and then you say, okay, you, you put this hairstyle on and you put this, you know, you put this on and uh, you put this, the beard on or not and you, you're building and then the people, are the people that you've created are going to interact. That's how we think about real people. Ah, you know, I want someone who's like this here and like this here and like that here. More, 
the person who has the body type of this of this sportsman, but not the body, but not with that, but not with those legs. I want the legs of that particular person over there. As if we're talking about Legos. When we're thinking like that, but these are human beings made in the image of our Creator. This must not be seen among us, friends. All impure actions, looks, talk, and thoughts must not be seen by, in us. And finally, it also says here, and whatever may incite someone to them. Whatever may incite someone to impure actions, looks, talks, thoughts, or desires. All of us have a responsibility. And, I, and I'm going to say this very strongly. All of us have a responsibility to not do anything that incites these things in others. This is a biblical principle. Do not cause your brother or sisters to stumble. Jesus says, whoever causes any of these little ones to, tempt, to be tempted, it'll be better for them if a millstone were tied around their neck. We must not live and speak and act in such ways as to incite our sisters or our brothers to sin. But man, do we like doing that. And I'm going to say this especially to the young people who are, you know, you know, courting, thinking about courting, that kind of stuff, dating, all of that stuff. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you are sinning when you rope people, someone on just for the sake of rubbing your own ego and being so that you can feel nice and wanted when you string someone along and you, 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 you're playing with them and toying with them because you want them to stroke your ego to make you feel good about yourself. Either deal with the person intently with clarity of mind or leave them alone. We must not play this game of because we want to be wanted that we play games. We must not, as God's people, even incite others to them. The way we dress, the way we speak, where we take people to. Right? Don't take someone, don't take a, a friend to, to Melville here on a Friday night. Why would you do that? To 7th Street on a Friday night. Why would you do that? Now we're going evangelizing. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not going evangelizing there. You know exactly what you want to do there. Don't incite others by the way that you live towards these things. Because Jesus is very jealous over his people. And you do not want Jesus to oppose you because of how you're acting towards his children. Well, friends, this is, this is a, a clarion call by our Lord here to pure heart. That our hearts and our, the meditation of our hearts may be pleasing toward him forever. That we might constantly be thinking about righteousness and holiness. That as we consider our brothers and sisters, and as we consider strangers on the street, we consider them with a sober mind and not with lustful intent. Lust is like a drug. It makes you not think clearly. It is much, it's always, that's why it usually goes together with alcohol. They're both mind-numbing. It, it grips you here and holds you for a time and you're not thinking straight. You're being carried on by this thing. 
That's why the scripture says, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. In the same way, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with lust. Fight it and fight it at the root. And here's the solution to the problem. Because if, if, what, if, what Jesus, if Jesus is telling us that the meaning of this commandment is not just the physical. See, if it's just the physical, okay, we can figure that out. If it's just the physical, you know, I must always have someone with me. You know, I must, you know, always tell my spouse where I'm at. Uh, you know, have those kinds of accountability things, and I should be fine. If it's just the physical, it's, it's rather easy to do. Just don't, don't commit physical adultery with someone. That, that can be done. That can be, that can be accomplished with relative ease. But if the issue is really what he says, that the battle is in the mind, then we have to go further than that, much further. And Jesus tells us what to do. Look at what he says in verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body to go into hell. The Lord Jesus could not be clearer. He wants you to be very serious and very clear in how you are to deal with the sin. This sin is not to be coddled. The sin is not to be massaged. When it comes to the sin, you are to go radically the other direction. You are to fight with everything that you have so that this sin does not lead you to hell. I'll tell you now for free. Many people who have professed the Lord Jesus Christ and called on his name and, 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 and known Reformed theology and known all the terminology, many of those people will burn forever in God's destruction because they did not apply what Jesus is saying here with regards to sexual sin. There's many a man and a woman who have allowed themselves to be taken this way and that by sexual sin. While it's easy to come to church and sing and do everything than to go home and indulge again in filth. Do not be that person. Jesus is warning us here. See how strong this language is. It's better to go to heaven with one arm than to go to hell with both. We must fear and understand what hell is. It is God stamping out his image from us, destroying us for all of eternity. And what's going to lead people to that is the sin of an impure heart. And I want to challenge us, really, friends. I want to really challenge us with this. Let's, let's not allow the sin to master us. I know it's a challenge, especially for the younger people. But let us, let us, let us master this sin. Let us fight together. Let's be accountable to one another. Let's do whatever needs to be done to deal with this sin and to deal with it post-haste. Michael and I were discussing one time a while ago, at what point do we bring a person to the church in church discipline because of pornography? It's a real thing. It's a real question. Because is it really something that can just be allowed to happen among us without any kind of deterrence? 
And we believe that there is a point where we can bring a person to the church and say, this person is not willing to stop indulging in pornography. And the church must discipline them. You see, did you understand that the seriousness of this? It's very serious. These sins that we think are small and at home, Jesus is saying here, cut this thing off. Better be an idiot. Don't have a smartphone. Rather, don't have a smartphone. Don't have a TV. It's fine. You'll enter into heaven. You'll forget about it. Then to say and make all these excuses and have things that you know are leading you to death. Friends, this is serious. I'm only going this far in my tone because that's the tone that we're seeing here, right? The Lord Jesus could not be stronger in his tone with regards to this sin. And so let me encourage us as well. Let us think clearly about this. Let us fight. Let us talk amongst each other. Let's make it a normal thing to encourage one another towards love and good works and towards fighting lust in our hearts. Let us make it normal among us to challenge one another. Hey, is the way that you're behaving inciting others to lust? Let's make it a normal thing. It's no shame. Don't be, don't be afraid in the church of God to be corrected. <laughs> this is the church of God. There's no Pharisee here. If there is, he's going to be uncomfortable very quickly. <laughs> Okay, this is the church of God. If we have to be corrected, if we have to come and say, this is my struggle, this is where I'm at, this is what I need to deal with, then do it. Feel free, relax. Talk to a trusted brother or sister. Let us make it a normal thing among us to not paper over things with Christianese. Unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees who had all the Judaese. Unless our righteousness exceeds that, we'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. May God give us grace. May God help us to be an honest and pure-hearted people here together until he brings us home where we don't have to fight against ourselves all the time. Oh, I hope you're looking forward to heaven. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to. The fact that I will not have to battle myself every day. What a day that will be. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, your words cut deep in us. You speak with clarity that opens up a heart of a man. When we look at these verses, just these four verses here, we are undone. Honestly, Lord, if there was another Savior, we would run to him. Because your words are sharp. But who else has the words of eternal life? None but thee. Who else has the words that not only cut us, but mend us? None but thee. Who else has words that build and create a new life? wholeness, perfection that will last into eternity. None but thee. So Lord, we come undone as we are. We ask that you'd help us. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Amen.
And I think it is appropriate that we sing together as we close the power of the cross because it is the power of the cross by which these sins that we have committed of lust in our hearts, these sins may be forgiven.